0: Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Today's guest is Renee Blewett. Renee is the founder of Crush Media, a beauty PR and lifestyle marketing firm she founded in 2008. Although her firm has been behind campaigns for marquee clients such as Eden Body Works, QP, Karen's Body Beautiful, and many more, she is perhaps better known as the founder and editor of InHershoesBlog.com, a platform Renee lovingly describes as a one-stop shop for women who are the captain of their own ship. The site was created to empower, enlighten, and uplift women who are committed to realizing their dreams. As In Her Shoes grew in popularity, Renee bought the site's brand of empowerment and enlightenment to life via an offline series of must-attend events for women, and more recently, with the launch of The Brothers Behind the Brands, she now offers something for men as well. I'm excited to have Renee on the show today to learn more about her experience building crush media and in her shoes and all the helpful business tips she's picked up along the way from interviewing dozens of amazing women on their grind. Welcome to the show Renee.
1: Hello thank you for having me and thanks for the fabulous introduction
0: of course if you want to take that recording on the road just let me know <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I will like too. Yes. yes I will send you the audio so even though you know this is obviously going to be a light-hearted and enlightening for me especially conversation Prince just died yes and it's just like one of those things that kind of knocks you off balance a bit because it's, it's so unexpected and it's like, you know, yes, we don't know him personally, but you, there are certain people that you don't want to necessarily live in the world without. And exactly. I feel like he was one of those people. Absolutely. So with Prince, like all these stories are now coming out, you know, people are sharing their experiences of working with him or just his certain, you know, his philosophy on different things. And one of the things that the common thread that I'm seeing is that he was such an amazing businessman, you know, in terms of protecting his music, but also looking out for other artists. What can we as entrepreneurs or even executives learn and take from that?
1: Wow. There are
0: so many. I mean, to your point,
1: I mean, I have absolutely been in my feelings seriously, probably for the last, what, 48 hours now. Mm -hmm. And, um, We knew that Prince was, you know, a unicorn and a very just amazing and talented and brilliant black man. But like, I've been watching CNN and to hear all of the testimonies, you know, about how he's lived his life and to just hear more stories about like the philanthropy work that he's done, you know, that we never even heard of, like you know, him, you know, giving money to Freddie Gray and, you know, all Mm -hmm. these things that he did kind of under the radar. Um, there are so many lessons to be learned from his life. Um, from a business perspective, we absolutely have to take note and respect the fact that he was so protective over, you know, his work and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, made some very strong statements about the music industry. I know at one point he had, I don't think it was a permanent tattoo, obviously, but, you know, Slavery. I think it was mm-hmm. talking about slavery on his face in reference to the music industry. And he really fought for um, empowering artists and, you know, for me, even entrepreneurs right. to protect our work. I mean, we put so much time and love and energy into it. And so to just give it away to another entity, for what seems like, you know, great opportunities is not always the smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. And he learned the hard way. Um, My understanding is that he just got rights over, you know, his catalog of music recently. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hopefully there will be a lot more music coming from him, you know, even after he's no longer with us. But that's a huge takeaway for entrepreneurs. And then another thing, which I'll probably end up touching on later is, the fact that, you know, he blessed us with all of this amazing music, but he was more than just a musician. The way that he gave back to the community, um, in so many ways is a beautiful thing. And I think that like, people who are really successful on another level, Mm -hmm. their work is not just benefiting them, you know? Right. Um, There's a quote that I read one time that says, if your dream only involves you, you need to dream. It's not big enough. Yeah, you need to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. And I live by that. But like literally over the last couple of days watching, you know, people talk about Prince and how he impacted them and all these personal relationships, that he had with people that I would have never connected him to. This speaks volumes about, you know, the type of human that he was and really inspires me, you know, despite the fact that I'm in disbelief and saddened by his passing, I'm totally inspired to be a better human and be a better neighbor and be a better, you know, supporter of other people and what they're doing. So Right. Rest in peace to Prince, but there's definitely a lot that, you know, we can take away from how he lived his life.
0: Right. And... Kind of going off on on the Prince tangent here, but another thing that kind of stood out to me is that, you know, for us, for black people, we knew where he stood. There are some artists who kind of reach a certain level of success and they kind of shy away from or diminish, you know, who they're who they are, their cultural identity. And a lot of people in talking about Prince have, you know, have tried to say, oh, well, he wasn't just a black artist, as if being a black artist is is somehow lesser than. And I find that entrepreneur or people in business, sometimes we try and shrink our cultural identity in a way because we feel or we've been told that we'll have more success that way, even though that's not who Prince was. But what can we take away from that? Well, Prince
1: was unapologetically black and I love it. You know, Mm -hmm. he was a man from the Midwest and even the fact that he stayed in the Midwest to me says, you know, like he didn't feel the need to follow the crowd and, you know, move to New York or LA thinking that that would elevate his career. But like, I pride myself on being a proud black woman. And, um, I have had people, you know, even say to me, like, you know, you only interview black women. Why don't you expand and interview other women? And it's not so much that I'm against it, but Mm -hmm. I created in her shoes for us because we didn't have a place where our stories were being told. Um, you know, especially everyday women who are doing amazing work. So, the fact that he was unapologetically Black, I would hope, inspires other people to do the same. Um, you know, every brand or every service or every, you know, business does not have to be specifically for Black people. But right. if you have something that was created with us in mind, then be committed to that. Because trust and believe, people in other communities are doing the same thing for their own people, you know? Right. And we don't have to apologize for that. Like... We are underserved in a lot of ways. So, like, why not create something that's for us and by us?
0: That's, I totally agree. And there's, there's another conversation, then we'll, we'll get into the actual interview. <laughs> <laughs> but, this, but this is too good to kind of pass up, is that I even find myself kind of with this balance of sometimes when we mean Black people or Black women, we say people of color or women of color. Mm-hmm. do you 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 know kind of switch between the two or do you catch yourself with that or are you just like you know it's not an issue
1: I'm pretty sure I always say black women or Mm -hmm. I'm always referring to black girl magic Um, Mm -hmm. I think that because I do come from a marketing and and PR background I've worked in ad agencies I think that women of color is just you know people's way of being safe and more Mm -hmm. inclusive but you know what if you're talking to black people you're talking to black people like it's right nothing wrong with it. We don't have to apologize for it or, you know, tiptoe around it. Anyone who comes to my blog, like it does not take long to see that this <laughs> site is for black women. Right. You know what's awesome? Um, I have been approached by some women who aren't necessarily black who mm-hmm. want To speak to us and who want to be in this conversation with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a little, you know, tidbit. I'm actually going to be doing an interview with We Dad. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that hair Mm care. But the founder, Mm -hmm. um, her name is We Dad, is Mm -hmm. uh, she's, I'm not sure if she's Caucasian, but she's definitely not black. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to be interviewing her for the blog. So You know, you can have a platform and have something that's created for us. It doesn't mean that other people aren't necessarily welcomed, right? but it just means that this is who you're committed to. This is who you're talking to. This is your target. And it's a beautiful thing.
0: Right. So anybody listening to that, I know you're probably, you know, don't be scared if you're focusing on a niche, whether it's black women, black men, green men, green women. Don't be afraid to say that. Um, and I think, you know, we hold back. But there's a benefit in identifying the community that you're talking to so that they know you're talking to them, too. <laughs> So Renee, like first before, you know, I have to congratulate you on your recent segment with Centric TV, which was amazing. They picked up your Black Women Owned Business Guide that you published on the blog last winter, I believe. Yes. Tell me, tell me how that opportunity came about, and what did it mean to have something you created recognized uh, in that way after about what seven years of building it, this platform? Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you for the congrats.
1: I'm, I'm still definitely. Beaming from that, um, it was my well, it was the blog's first official appearance on national television. Mm-hmm. I've been on television for small things, but never for the work I do. You know, mm-hmm. I did a Good Morning America segment one time as a model. They didn't know mm-hmm. who I was, but like <laughs> to do something like this and be recognized. Um, by, you know, a a television network for the work that you're doing is an honor. Mm -hmm. Um, Centric TV is actually in the process of kind of rebranding itself with the focus on Black women. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe right now it is the only network for Black women. They're still, um, getting, you know, their content and their programming together. But one of the producers there reached out to me. And she was like, you know, telling me that she just got into this role and, you know, they've charged her with, you know, putting together fresh content for black women. And she said, I, you know, immediately thought of in her shoes. So Mm -hmm. that was awesome. And so we just kind of talked about like some of the content that I was doing and she was checking in to see if I had an event coming up. And, um, we ended up talking about this, um, This gift guide. So I hosted a brunch in Harlem for 25 women that I photographed last year for the Mm -hmm. beauties and brains behind the brands. And it was kind of like a thank you brunch and a way to bring these women back together. So they shot the brunch, which may possibly be another segment on the network. I'm not sure where that stands, but they shot the brunch. And then a lot of those women at the brunch. Uh, we're also brands that were, you know, included in the shopping guide. So mm-hmm. we kind of segued into talking about the shopping guide and, you know, the importance of buying black, the importance of investing dollars back into our community. And that's how the segment was created.
0: That's awesome. And it
1: was really beautiful. Thank it you. Was- they did a great job. And I couldn't have asked for, you know better testimonials from these women. Like it just felt very organic. And, you know, these are women that I've had, you know, relationships either by featuring them on the blog or working with them, you know, with my PR business. So, um, The relationships are beautiful and authentic. And to hear these women that I admire and who are doing some amazing work speak so highly of In Her Shoes, it truly was a blessing. And I'm glad that, you know, this is the way that, you know, Renee Blewett and In Her Shoes would be kind of introduced to the masses.
0: Right. So, as I mentioned in the intro, the In Her Shoes blog has grown to include two signature events. You have Beauties and Brains behind the brand, and now the Brothers behind the brand. How do you envision this event series growing over the next few years? And what other plans do you have to expand the IHS brand? Like, for instance, will we see you launch InHisShoesblog.com? <laughs> <laughs> Girl, no. if I had a, a double, I would have
1: In His <laughs> Shoes, In the Baby Shoes. <laughs> like, there's so much work. I mean, um, uh, mm-hmm. like most New Yorkers, I am a, uh, like I have a hyphenated career. So it's like right. I do PR, I do this blog. And so the reality is there's only so much time in a day. I'm only one person. Um, mm-hmm. I do have people helping me out, but, Um, that's something I'm kind of working on. It's kind of relinquishing, you know, the, the power over everything that I'm doing. Right. So the signature events, I mean, these are my babies. Um, I'm really, really excited about the concept for this year's event for the beauties and brains behind the brands. I'm not Mm -hmm. at liberty to. Um, You know, expose what the concept is, but Mm -hmm. let's just say it's bigger than last year's. Um, I'm going to be partnering with Essence Magazine again. Uh, For the last two years, they were the presenting sponsor. Now they're going to be the title sponsor. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Carol's daughter has uh, signed on as the official hair care sponsor. So I have a lot of amazing brands um, supporting me this year. And I guess we'll have to wait. You know, maybe we can do another conversation when it's (laughs) launched. (laughs) but, um, in terms of growing these series over the years, the brothers behind the brand, I could just, I'd like to speak really quickly on how that came up. So one day I am, you know, scrolling through Instagram, you know, as most bloggers and, you know, people in the media do you're posting, Mm -hmm. you're kind of keeping up with everyone with what everyone else is up to. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just hit me like, there is so much black girl magic. And so on the social media, you know, platforms, like mm-hmm. we're always doing something amazing. You know, we we don't have a problem with sharing all of our good news and our accomplishments. But when I scroll, scroll through, I'm like, what are the guys doing? Like mm-hmm. I have some guy friends who are doing really amazing work and it's kind of under the radar. Right. And so it just struck me like there needs to be something celebrating the brothers. Like they're doing a lot of great work in our community and they're not being celebrated enough in the media and they're not celebrating themselves enough. So I've been interviewing the guy since 2011 for mm-hmm. Info Shoes, but I'll be honest, like for every 10 interviews with women, I may mm-hmm. have one interview with a guy, if right. And so I know that that is not a a portion of the blog that I have, you know, committed to fully. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to do something different, kind of breathe a a little freshness and life into the blog. And again, like just create a moment for men to be celebrated. So um, the event was a huge success. um, And I got so many guys coming up to me after the event, thanking me for hosting it and, you know, asking me when the next one is and suggesting Mm -hmm. people. For the conversation. So, I definitely know that's going to have to be an annual event. When I did it, I wasn't thinking it would be something I would do every year. Like, Mm -hmm. after seeing how it was received, it's something I absolutely have to continue um, doing. So, The beauties and brains behind the brands, which is a mouthful to say, (laughs) um, it is going to be undergoing somewhat of a facelift in 2016. So I'm rebranding it. I'm calling it something else. I think that um, that whole, you know, and I'm not by any means saying that I invented the term beauties and brains. Obviously I did not but in terms of it be that title being used for events or, you know, conversations happening within this space that I'm in, it was becoming a little too common. And, um, the fact that, you know, the event series is growing this year into something that, you know, is bigger than I ever imagined for in her shoes is the perfect time to kind of step back and rename it and kind right. of give it some new energy. So that will be um, probably announced soon as well. Okay. And yeah, we're really excited, really excited about 2016.
0: That's awesome. So one thing you should know about the hashtags and stilettos community is they're going to hold you to all this. <laughs> <laughs> as I was
1: saying it, I was like, eh,
0: it's in the universe now. Like, Listen, everything. you're going to be on your Twitter, on your Instagram, like, okay, girl. Uh, and while you're at it, as soon as we hang up, like you might want to go and buy the In His Shoes blog domain if you haven't already. <laughs> because right. Because somebody will probably buy it and try and sell it to you in two oh, years when you're ready. Goodness. So, my Yeah. I know get how that,
1: that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works.
0: So, go get that. But um, you you meant, you touched on something that I want to uh, talk about. With In Her Shoes and your PR firm, Crush Media, you're essentially running two businesses. A lot of people kind of feel like blogging is like this hobby or this thing, but you know how much it takes to, you know, bring all your content to life, to do all the research. How do you balance your time between the two and prioritize between the two? Especially with PR, you're essentially also running other people's businesses.
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, you know what I don't know how really I just kind of make it happen like there's mm-hmm. no structure necessarily or formula I will say that you know, certain times of the year, I'm I'm busier with um, with my uh, PR clients. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, I'm going to be going to Trinidad in a couple of weeks for nice. Body Bodyworks. Mm-hmm. But while I'm there, trust and believe, I'm going to be looking for fly female entrepreneurs to talk to and to interview and to feature on the blog. So. The beautiful thing about doing beauty PR, specifically PR for brands, most of the clients that I work with are, um, you know, black female owned brands. So right. Eden Body Works was founded by Jasmine Lawrence, who is now uh, going on 25. She launched the brand when she was 13. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working with a brand called the Brown Crayon Project, which is run by a woman here in Brooklyn by the name of Selma Idris and the fact that you know they are two businesses but they overlap so much that right. it doesn't feel overwhelming it doesn't feel mm-hmm. daunting You know, a lot of times, you know, when I work with clients, I'll end up talking to them for the blog or, you know, doing some type of like promotion or something, weave them into my events in terms of sponsorships. So, um, it's definitely not like a separation for me. Like they, Mm -hmm. they both support each other. And I think that's why it has been so manageable for me.
0: Right. And, Speaking, I love the way you you talked about how you fuse both of those, but a lot of people are still doing this tug of war between either their nine to five and their passion projects, right? So they're wondering whether or not they should start a blog or, you know, start an Etsy shop, a side hustle, or get a freelance gig that's, you know, more aligned with their passions. Like, what advice would you give to someone that's like having these thoughts of either they're already doing something and they're trying to figure out how to balance and and make both of them, you know, work together better, or they're thinking about starting something like what advice do you have?
1: Well, I I can only really speak to how I did it because everyone's journey is different. You know, there's some people who come right out of college Um, especially now with, you know, the way that students are thinking, but there are some people that come right out of college and launch their business. There are some people like me who work in, you know, corporate environments or work for other people for about 10 years Mm -hmm. before you actually, you know, start your own business, Um, the way that I did it, I was working at Edelman worldwide, which is a global PR agency. And, um, I was working as an account supervisor in their multicultural department and I enjoyed the work that I was doing, but I was not super passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, there's only so much excitement in writing press releases about, (laughs) you know, pharmaceutical brands. Right. You know the fact that we index so high with all of these different um, illnesses and and health issues, so that got depressing and boring. And I realized that it was time for me to make a move. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really, time for me to make a move. So what I did was, um, you know, and first shout out to having supervisors who really understand that entrepreneurial spirit. My supervisor allowed me to scale back, and so I went from full time. to part-time, um, started working with them as a consultant. It's a very unique situation. I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, there aren't many employers who would allow that, but they did, um, provide me with that opportunity to kind of have one foot in and one foot out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I really went above and beyond to service my clients, um, especially going from being there five days a week to three days a week. But the two days a week that I wasn't there, I was able to work on building my own business. And when I got to the point where I felt like I really had some legs and I was financially able to you know, maintain the lifestyle that I had while working solely on my clients, that's Mm -hmm. when I made the transition. So I just recommend that you are honest with yourself about, you know, your living expenses, you know, living in a city like New York is a little challenging (laughs) because it is so expensive and you do, you know, if you have a nine to five, you are relying heavily on that income. But if you have something that you're working on and that you're passionate about and that you're growing, and if it, you know, has Gotten to a place where you can live off of it you know, perhaps that is the time to make that transition. And then maybe you're picking up, you know, freelance work in your industry. You know, there's a way to Mm -hmm. kind of still do it. It's a a delicate dance, you know, and sometimes you'll look up and you will say, what the hell did I do? And then there's sometimes you'll look up and you'll say, why didn't I do this sooner? But I think the main key here is to be honest about how much you need to live. And, you know, even pad that for the unexpected emergence. Mm-hmm. And You know, when you see that you're able to manage those things, then by all means, try it. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, the skills and the um, experience that you've built over the years in your career, you can always go back. You know, it may take Absolutely. some time, but like you can go back and you won't be stuck with this. What if, you know, what if I did try to branch out on my own?
0: Absolutely. That's amazing advice. And continuing on this kind of thread, what You know, if people are trying to launch their business or side hustle, how can they differentiate themselves when there are, I mean, a trillion new businesses and Instagram pages and things launching every single day? I think the point of difference
1: is thinking seriously about What's missing in your particular industry? Like when I launched In Her Shoes at the time, you know, I have to preface it with at the time because there are plenty of platforms now talking to black women, particularly mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, because, you know, it's kind of like a hot thing right now. We're, right. we're making history. So everyone is, you know talking about it. But in 2009, when I launched the blog, there was not a place online that I felt, you know, really told our story. So mm-hmm. I looked around and I thought about like, wow, there's this void, you know, in the blogosphere and why don't I feel it, you know? So right. Think about your industry. Think about what you'd like to see happening in your industry. Think about what's missing and what people need and provide that need, fill that void. That is to me what separates your brand from someone else's. You know, you're filling a void. Um, and if it's, you know, if it's something that's already being done, then it's not a void and you kind of need to go back to the drawing
0: board. Right, that's awesome. And speaking of when you started, there weren't that many um sites or or places that black women or career women or entrepreneurs could go. You know, there's a lot of parallels between the work that we're doing especially as it relates to in her shoes and hashtags and stilettos, but I this was a recent pivot because the early days of the blog was mostly focused on PR, but I kind of felt like, okay, there's this huge Void an in information gap for Black women and business women Still, I feel that way um, because for so long we've been left out of the conversation. And plus, the way we work and approach our careers these days is very different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there can't be one or two or even a handful of voices and um, perspectives. So this is kind of like a two-part question, but. Why do you think we're being left out of some of the more mainstream conversations around careers and entrepreneurship, even though we are making history as the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs?
1: That's a good question. Um, Let me think about that. The only thing that I can think of is the fact that we may not be connected. So, mm. for example, right now, you know, if I needed to pitch something to Essence, I know, you know, most of the editors over there, if I right. need to seek a sponsorship from Essence or Ebony, like I have relationships and connections with the women and men who work at those publications. Mm. Um, I can't necessarily say the same for Cosmo or the same for Elle. So I think a lot of what happens in this world is strictly about relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you are working on something, especially things that are like deadline-driven, it is so much easier to look in your personal Rolodex, look in your phone book, or think about the women that surround you Mm -hmm. uh, on a regular basis. So that's, you know... That's a great like point. benefit of the doubt response. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt that, you know, that's, you know, a huge part of why we're not included. Mm-hmm. And then the other part may be, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I do think that, you know, the media as a whole, like there is a narrative that they have created about black women mm-hmm. and to, Show us in a positive light and a progressive light does not fit the narrative that is out there
0: now. Ooh, you about to preach? You about to
1: preach? <laughs> yeah, like so. Now, if we want to think about you know the way they'd like to see us, we could turn mm. on you know Bravo or any of these networks with these reality shows and look at the images of us. Right, that's what they want to see. And so, um, that was another reason why I, why I launched in her shoes. I wanted young sisters to have images of us that were positive, that were, uh, progressive, that were smart, that were multifaceted, you know, that really went against what they were seeing on television because Mm -hmm. there are plenty of those images out there and not enough of the positivity.
0: Absolutely, and you touched on something with the other publications, and this is something that really kind of stood out to me. So when we talk about, you know, black women in the career space or as entrepreneurs, a lot of the media outlets have, you know, done stories on this. So Forbes recently did a story talking about that stat, and in the same breath, they talked about how black women are super underserved in every way, especially as it relates to things like funding, mentorship, and information. And then they turned around and launched 10 new podcasts aimed specifically, all 10 of them aimed at entrepreneurial millennial women, and not one of them was hosted or co-hosted by a Black woman. Like, they reported the stats (laughs) themselves and then turned right around. And like, I could see if it was one podcast, you know, and they're like, okay, you know, hey girl, we got more to come. 10? 10. Crazy. Crazy. You know, and it's like, you know, people in organizations, they know what the stats are. They know all about the trillions of dollars that black women control. And yet we always get shifted to that back burner or if we're on a stove at all. Like, what do you think we can or should be doing? Because I find that, you know, whenever like the other day, one of those media or fashion companies talked about how a model started micro braids. So I find that we're always pushing back, like you said, against the narrative, but should we be directing our energy in another way? Well,
1: so this is the thing. I mean, and this conversation happens all over the place. I mean, if you mm-hmm. go back to... Um, Which awards show was it where uh, Jada Pinkett Smith was talking about, you know, the lack of inclusion? The Oscars. The Oscars, yes. Mm -hmm. How could I forget? So, you know, my thing with that is we have to stop looking outside of ourselves for validation Mm -hmm. and inclusion and create our own shit. Pardon Mm -hmm. my French, but, like, we have to create our own because you know if we sit here and we're tap dancing like massa come you know see me over here like mm-hmm. see me you see me like all that energy we could use to create our own like we have to create our own because they're not thinking about us and and they remind us all the time that we are not you know, a part of their conversations. And if we are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a certain type of woman that they're comfortable with, you know, exposing to their readers or to their audience. So, you know, to answer your question, I would say, guess what? Like, let's create our own list, you know, like actually, from this conversation, like podcasts, you know, I know that like years ago, they kind of had a moment, but they're definitely back and, and mm-hmm. back strong. I could do a list of, you know, 10 podcasts that, you know, five female entrepreneurs need to be, you know, listening right. to. And of course, hashtags and stilettos would be yes. top of the list, <laughs> but like create our own freaking list, you know, like, right. No, you don't want to include us, We'll create our own. We'll create our own platforms. We will tell our own stories because Mm -hmm. we cannot wait for someone else to do it and validate our worth.
0: That's a great point. Now, how about this, though? So a lot of people, we say that, right? We say we got to create our own. We got to do this. We got to have our own platforms. And then what happens is People like it's, it's like the conversation around every time the BET Awards happens and like say Beyonce is not there. Right. Or some of these celebrities are not there. And then we're like, OK, well, we have things that are for us, but it doesn't we diminish the value Of those platforms, like somehow it's lesser than even though BET has been putting on the best award shows or shows, period, for years, Mm -hmm. better than every other show, Oscars, Grammys, whoever else is doing a show, BET has done it better. Um, But the top stars or or even at our level, the consumer level, we don't value the things we create as much as we value those general market or mainstream Thing. Why? Right. Well, that just comes from
1: years of <clears throat> being brainwashed. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, post traumatic slave syndrome. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, if it's not white, it's not right. Or if it's right. not, you know, mainstream in this case, it's not as valuable. And so, the only thing that we could really do is control that within our immediate circles, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I were to have a child today, I would definitely instill in him or her the importance of placing equal, if not greater value on the things that we create. So, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be definitely hard to like change the thought process of the masses. But the only thing I could say is like, keep creating, keep creating. And at some point, um, in, in people's careers, they'll, they'll realize, I mean, for example, Jada Pinkin Smith, like mm-hmm. she probably wasn't having this conversation years ago when Will Smith was getting all these awards or what have right. you. And, and it may or may not have been because of his inclusion or lack thereof, but I think that it, there does come a time where, um, people realize that like, we've got to be, as committed, if not more committed, to our community and the things that we're creating, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I find that there's like a spike in that conversation, like yes. whenever something, like whenever there's an injustice, you know, whenever there's like a Sandra Bland or a Freddie Gray situation, you hear a lot of people talking about buying black and, you know, so right. that, Thinking should be 365 days a year. It should not be just around the holidays. It should not be just, you know, in response to us being mistreated. Like, this should be the way that we think all the time. I don't understand right. how people don't. Um, it was kind of like instilled in me at an early age because my father is an entrepreneur. My grandfather Mm -hmm. was an entrepreneur in Indiana where, you know, the KKK is like serious. So I have grown up, you know, seeing the value of having, you know, our own businesses and being able to support ourselves and not rely on people, um, outside of our community to like feed our families.
0: Listen, that's the perfect segue to plug your Black-owned business guide. (laughs) 75 Black women-owned, specifically businesses, at InHershoesBlog.com. Go check that out. Spend some money. And the brands, I will say, like, I'm a Virgo, so I'm kind of picky
1: about, you know, the aesthetic of things and Mm -hmm. quality. So, like, I can honestly say, you know, from a place of humility, too, that, like, that list is amazing. Like the Mm -hmm. women on there, like really have amazing brands and have really done a lot of work to like, um, create quality products, you know? And so I have people now that I'll run into and they're like, thank you for putting me on to ginger and Liz, or thank you for Mm -hmm. putting me on to this brand. And like, I really, you know, the original title of the post before it got picked up by Centric was uh, 75 Mm -hmm. Black Women-Owned Brands to Support This Holiday Season and Beyond, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to really push the message that I mentioned earlier. Like, this is not something that we should just be thinking about, you know, at particular times of the year. Right. All year year round, we should think about, like, do I need new nail polish? Well, what Black Women-Owned Brands or Black-Owned Brands are there for me to support? Right. Um, and I know that people, you know, they like to lean on the excuse that there aren't that many. No, mm-hmm. they're out there. You just have to do, you know, take a couple extra steps right. um, and look for them. And, and hopefully this guide has made that a lot easier for us
0: absolutely and one of the things you talked about um, is this shift um, that even though you know we're still kind of fighting for um, fighting for or against different narratives about us about black women there's been a shift of black women coming together sharing information and supporting one another and I really think that's mostly happening with our generation because I still feel like there's a sort of wall of silence you know or lack of mentorship between older black women who've been there and done that and then And younger women. Do you get that same sense? And what do you think causes this breakdown in communication between the generations and how can we fix it? I have seen it and unfortunately I have experienced before, I've experienced that before in
1: my own career, you know, Mm -hmm. with with people that, you know, I may have reported to or had somewhat of a mentoring relationship with before. And it's almost like once my career got to a certain point, I found that there was like some distance created. So The only thing that I can guess, and this is a huge assumption, but I think that at a certain point, people may feel threatened by your growth. Mm-hmm. And, and there does come a time where the gap closes a little bit and you may be competing for, you know, the same opportunities, which is something that happened to me. Like I literally, you know, one of my old managers, Mm -hmm. um, when I did open my own business, there was an opportunity to, um, you know, pitch a client to manage a, a piece of business and to produce an event. And she had also gone out on her own and we were both up for The piece of business. We both received the um, RFP, which is a request for proposal. Mm -hmm. So it got back to me that she, when she found out that I was also up for the piece of business, she Mm -hmm. kind of spoke a little negatively about me saying that, you know, implying that she had more experience than I did, therefore they should go with her. And so I was hurt by that. Um, Definitely disappointed and like, Wow. Like, this is what we've come to. I can't speak for everyone, but just in my personal experience, in that one instance, I know that, you know, there was a little, you know, a little resentment, I guess, that we were now, you know, we went from being mentor-mentee to now Mm -hmm. we're competing for the same piece of business. And, you know, for some people when that happens, it's like, well, I, I can no longer you know, be a mentor to you. Like we're now competing. So um, I think that the idea of competition sometimes is what creates that barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, like I am all about surrounding myself with younger people. Like I'm forever like hanging out with one of my mentees who's 20 something and just Mm -hmm. trying to pour into her because to my point earlier, that gap closes relatively quickly and mentoring is not A one way street. It is a two way street. I learn as much from her as she learns from me. And at different points in our journey, I may be learning more from her. And she thinks she's learning more from me. So it's like, um, you know, I don't understand how some people don't see the value of reaching back. Um, I think that it is our duty. I think that, you know, when you're on this earth and you're doing work, whatever that is, it is your duty to reach back and bring someone else into the fold and help to nurture, you know, that next generation of PR people or, you know, of music executives or what have you, because it's like, what else is there? You know, what what is the point of gaining all this wisdom and experience if you're not sharing it?
0: Right. And that's a good point. I've had similar experiences and one of the quotes that kind of stood out to me, I guess, before I had my business is the definition of success is making the people who believed in you look brilliant. Yeah. And I And I think that a lot of times when we are going to the older generation or older women or even people that have more experience but maybe similar in age, we want to have that exchange. We want to have that that mentorship. And and like you said, sometimes people don't see it that way because their eyes kind of glaze over with this competitive (laughs) whatever it is. Um, But I love everything you said about mentoring. And I hope that that resonates with some people because I know it can get really this disheartening if you're in a workplace and there may only be a handful of you and, you know, people are kind of distancing distancing themselves mm-hmm. so now I want to get into just you know lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur like what are like I'm very big on transparency and like a lot of my episodes I'm like look I fucked up super bad here don't do this yes. <laughs> <laughs> like please don't do this please um, so what are some mistakes or it could be one that kind of stands out in your mind that you've made along the way um, that could have easily been prevented you know had someone older someone more experienced showed you the ropes or help guide you along the way.
1: Well, I would definitely say that um, my weak point, and I know that a lot of people struggle with this, especially if you are somewhat creative. Managing the business of the business mm. for me is like I would rather I don't know watch paint dry. You know? <laughs> so, so, like, uh, and, and as a result of that, every year at tax time, I find myself kicking myself. Like, why wasn't I more on top of this throughout the year? Because now I am sitting, you know, in my accountant's Mm -hmm. office for five hours at a time Mm -hmm. trying to pull all of this together to avoid getting audited. Um, And when you are an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's a lot more work to keep up with like taxes and write-offs and all that stuff. It's not Mm -hmm. as simple as, you know, getting that form back from your employer. Like there are a lot of things that you have to keep track of throughout the year. So, um, I can absolutely say that that is something that I am working on tightening up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a new accountant who, you know, is cracking the whip on me and really holding <laughs> me accountable. And, and I-, I need someone like that. I think it's important for us to be honest about our weak points and what we need from our team. And so with him, I'm like, look this is not my thing. Like I, I would much rather be out planning an event, writing mm-hmm. a post, you know, networking, connecting with women than sitting up here tabulating, you know, how much I spent on gas in right. 2015. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he has been really helpful. Um, and it's important to have people who hold you accountable, you know? Yes. But a big part of that is you being honest about, you know, what you need help with.
0: Mm-hmm. And we all need help with something. Absolutely. So what would you say are the best and worst parts of owning a business? I think you might have just touched on the worst.
1: (laughs) That's the worst part. That's the worst part, because depending on how your clients pay you, um, Mm -hmm. you may think you're making a certain amount of money when you get this check. It looks nice. But you have to always remember good old Uncle Uncle Sam. And yep. so if you don't deduct that 30% off at the top, mm-hmm. you find yourself struggling at tax time to like mm-hmm. make sense of it all. So I would say that's the worst part um, for me. Um, the other, and I'm not going to say it's worse, but the other challenging aspect too is just the fluctuation of income, you know, yes, some yes. quarters could be amazing and you're like feeling on top of the world. And then, you know, another quarter comes up and you're like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I need this- to move to North Dakota. Oh my God. <laughs> like really rethinking everything you're doing and questioning, like, why am I torturing myself like this? But I'm going right. to get someone's job and just get the same check every two weeks. weeks. but you know, whenever I have those conversations with myself, I find that something happens that reminds me why I'm doing this Mm -hmm. or, you know, things just work out and you kind of like get past those, those crazy thoughts. But like entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Um, I know that right now, you know, girl, boss, boss, this boss, Mm -hmm. babes, like all, like all this is like super trendy. You know what I mean? Like the same way that everyone was going natural a few years ago and it was like right. team natural versus team Relax. Now I find that it's super popular to be an entrepreneur. And yes. a lot of people from what I see, spend more time bragging about it than actually doing the work. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> Which is Uh-oh. crazy. <laughs> because I'm like, how mm-hmm. do you have so much time to, like, brag about being a boss You're mm-hmm. actually being a boss? Because mm-hmm. when you're a boss, like, you're doing the work. Your head is down. You are, like, right. in it. So, um, you know, that's just one thing. I, I mean, and I could go off on that for a long time. But, like, mm-hmm. all the hashtags and all that, I do... See the beauty in it because I'm doing it myself and it is a way to empower and inspire other women. But we cannot get so caught up in talking about the work, especially talking about things we did before they have fully materialized for the purpose yes. of bragging like. We have to spend way more time actually doing the work and perfecting our crafts. Like we cannot let social media run our businesses where, you know, we've spent the majority of the day talking about how busy we are. Like if you're that busy, you don't even have time to be doing
0: that. Listen, I'm over here doing a church nod. <laughs> like, yes. (laughs) So that, I mean, you've shared so many awesome pieces of advice. I just want to close with a bit of a reflection, um, in hearing how you define success today.
1: Good question. Success for me. Um, let me, let me start with what it's not. Okay. Success is not about how much you make. Um, because making money and be able, being able to, you know, sustain your lifestyle, like at a certain age, those are things that people expect of you. And Mm so for me, success is being able to do something that I love, wake up every day, excited about the work that I have ahead of me. And also being able to inspire and empower other people at the same time. So whether it's through Crush Media and the PR work that I do, I mean, it feels so great to work with brands, particularly smaller brands, Mm -hmm. and to know that the time that you've invested with them has helped them get into Target or helped them get onto the pages of Essence Magazine, like really helped to elevate their brand so that they Mm -hmm. can meet their families and so that they could, you know you know, fulfill the goals that they have, you know, in mind for themselves personally and professionally, that feels amazing. So success to me is like going back to what we mentioned earlier. It's being able to be of service to other people and to help other people. It's not just about me. Like it is about elevating women in this case and um, empowering women, young women and older women and everything in between to like really follow their dreams and do what they love. That's success for me.
0: I mean, I can't think of any perfect way, other perfect way to close. That was amazing. <laughs> so thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this. This was very enlightening and great. And I think, you know, people will really enjoy and learn from a lot that you had to say. Thank you for having me, Sakita. This
1: was awesome. And I am serious. We are going to do that list of podcasts. I'm going to mm-hmm. lean on you to even recommend some other podcasts. Absolutely. But like, we, we have to create our own. And I'm a woman of my word. So let's do it.